And if there's anybody that I know of, player, coach, teacher, student, or anybody that I've ever talked to about hitting, he knows, he knows more about my principles that I believe in hitting than anyone I've ever been with. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for believing in me. I'm Steve Farley, and you're listening to the podcast of Ted Williams League Headquarters. Days at the playground, right out in the street. Baseball, make life complete. We got an exciting show for you tonight. We're going to um, continue with the audio clips from Saving Youth Baseball, audio clips 11 through 15. Uh, again, I'm going it alone. All my my college boys are off working their butts off, and I almost feel guilty uh, pulling them in. But I'll round them up eventually. They're going to be looking for a break, you know, with the holidays coming, and we'll definitely get them back on the air. Um, shout out to the foreman up in New Hampshire. Hope everything is going well. So before we get into the Saving Youth Baseball audio clips. Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple of things this week that have been very exciting. Uh, naturally, we have our we have three different divisions on the field in the fall, and I really want to talk about my AA2 division, which is, you know, ages like 13 to 15, and they're playing with wood, and uh, I won't get into the dimensions and all, but they're on a mid-sized field. I don't believe that age should be on the adult field yet. Now, I will say that some 15s, yes, but most I would say no. Um, and we push them up. Oh, get up there. You know, everything will be fine. That's crap. That's the stupidest thing i ever seen in my life because it just ends up being discouraging. But to make a long story short, their contact percentage uh, through the use of several clever drills over the past two weeks has really, really increased. Um, for example, I bet them, you know, I'll, I'll bet them in practice um, because I'm at 90% of their practices. Um, I'll say, okay, if you can score a contact percentage of, say, 70% or more, I'm talking about balls contacted, you know, out of 100 in a cage or some sort of bet like that. And um, on the first practice, they committed 68%. And then with the understanding of some drills and some principles of their swinging and some understanding in drills about principles of their timing, which are apples and oranges in the world of hitting, um, they increased their contact percentage to 90%. And I was really impressed with that. That's not an easy thing to do. And, um, you know, these boys, they love it. You know, uh, I'll give you an example. I have a drill which I call the tire drill. And um, one of the boys asked me if he could take a tire home. And I said, yeah, <laughs> just check with your parents because I don't want you to, you know, is there any water in it, you know, this sort of thing. It's a, uh, we'll talk about the tire drill at another time. Um, if you go on um, our YouTube channel, I believe it is posted there. 
Uh, take that back. Maybe not. I'm not sure. I can't remember now. But anyway, um, we'll talk about it another time. Make a long story short, it's basically a, a tire on a pole, but the way it's set up, it's leaning in a in a intelligent way. Very simple to do, but it's a great drill, and it's a it's a simple drill, and it's a great um, uh, option to drills I don't like so much, like soft toss or the batting tee, uh, and we'll get into why in, in another time. But I'm really impressed with my AA two division, and I could not, I couldn't get it off my mind that that boy wanted to take the tie home. I want to get him a post too, because he probably doesn't have a post and. It's like, here, <laughs> yeah, go do this. You know, it's important. It'll really help him. And he's really doing good with his hitting. They all are. They're all improving. Uh, going down a division from that, um, kind of hit. we have a thumper division on the field as well. And that, to give you an idea, is kind of average age 9 and 10. And um, they did about 20 at-bats and only struck out twice. And again, through the understanding of some basic swing principles along with some basic timing principles. Now, I want to be clear about this. You just can't do one. you got to have both of them. You know, hitting, uh, if I had to cut it right down the middle, because it, it's more than this. It's about five or six different things, really. But if I had to just split it down the middle, I would talk about it like form, and timing. Uh, you know, I could make that case on any skill, actually, you know. But in hitting, I think of it as form and timing. And there's more subcategories on either side of that line. But if you're just trying to, everybody just works on the swing, well, you're, you, you're, you're out to lunch. You know, it's, it's more than that. that, that that's not going to do it. So I'm really impressed with them. We get some really good players there. And again, they're playing with wood. And now we go down a step. We got our kids division. And this is more like seven slash eight years old. Now they're just playing with a safety ball. And um, what I'm really uh, impressed with there is their pitching and hitting. Uh, Their fielding, not so good. Uh, And the reason for that, and I'll say this, is that you know, in the misscaling of youth baseball, the ball is not hit as much as it should be. Hitting is where the fun is. You know, hitting the ball, think of what happens. The kid hits the ball, he gets to run. The fielder now gets to run after it, maybe even catch it, maybe throw the guy out somehow. And then everybody's got to think, oh, where do I go? What do I do? <laughs> should I go to the next base? You know, um, what do I do? Should I back up the bat? What you know? Now baseball starts to come to life, all because the ball was hit. Well, if you're playing on the wrong plate, and the umpire's opening the zone, and your space shuttle bat didn't get you to contact because it fails more than it succeeds. I can't wait to get at that one. It's coming. Believe me, I got a fire burning for that one. Then, you know, the baseball's boring. No wonder everybody quits at 13, you know. But in this division, the boys are starting to pitch the ball. And this is to a 14-inch plate. This is to a justified zone with me umpiring. So, you know, I'm very strict with it. And there's a lot of times the ball's just off the plate an inch. And I, 
I want to say strike because the game's dragging, you know, they're not always good at it. A lot of times they're, they get in trouble, you know, their parents are watching all that, and their kids, they're little kids, and they, they choke, you know, basically, and they haven't learned that lesson yet, and of course it's going to take years to be calm and to do what you got to do in public, but I won't call it ball, <laughs> you know, I think about it for about a hundredth of a second, ball, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but then when they get the ball over the plate and they hit it, the fielders are like, and they're out to lunch because the ball doesn't get hit as often as it should. Now, if you stay in the Ted Williams League environment, you start to realize that being in the field, when the pitching is decent against the justified zone, that it's very exciting. The ball's coming to me maybe all inning long. Everybody that gets up might hit it to me. And, you know, the players tend to get ready. Um, but they're so ingrained with the fact that baseball is boring, that when it's played justified and fairly and the excitement of the game comes forward, they're not used to it and they're not ready for it and they can't field. And that becomes very apparent. We learned that years ago. That was obvious in 1997 when we first executed the rules and we saw that the ball was put in play. The fielders were terrible. We're like, okay, okay. And it, it, it didn't take me more than the ride home to figure it out. I could kind of see it in the study, but then when we actually were in uniform on the field, I was like, well, doesn't it make sense? For 70 years, the ball hasn't been hit properly, you know, percentage-wise in the game. So the field is bored. You know, put get the biggest, strongest kid out there in an unjustified zone, let him pitch and strike everybody out, and then call yourselves the champions. Oh, you, there's nothing more... I, it's ridiculous. It has nothing to do with baseball at all. Anyway, I'm very excited about this week, you know, the past couple of weeks, actually, in the Ted Williams League. All this stuff has been brewing and I always thought the fall, I, I think of my older brother when I say this, he used to curse me because I played football a few years, and he was like, what are you doing that for? You know, you, the fall is the best weather, and you, and he was right. He was right, but, you know, you, you're young and dumb, and you can't hear people, so I'd rather go out and bang my head against Daryl Bonzagni's head for the fall. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he was a lot tougher than me. <laughs> And uh, rather than, you know, field another thousand fly balls and take another thousand swings or whatever, and, and that was a mistake. I should have just concentrated on my baseball because the fall, I'm a New Englander, and the fall's great weather. And um, anyway, uh, but it's fun to be out there. It's a good learning, good, good learning weather. You catch some beautiful days in the fall and, you know, on the South Zero of Boston and, you uh, it's just a great time to try taking some baseball. And then you get the playoffs. You know, the kids get ramped up a little bit about, you know, the television. And, and that carries over. And they, I can see that they, I'm going to watch the game tonight. And they're kind of, that motivates them, you know. Maybe not so much me, but them. And uh, although I am thinking, you know, because my kids are into it so much. I'm thinking of doing a podcast, you know, which would be kind of like, um, like, you know, a few times I watched games or parts of games with Ted, 
The first thing he did, turn the damn volume. He didn't want to hear the announcer. And I don't blame him. I, I understand that. He didn't want to hear what they had to say. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it on my own. I don't want to listen to what, you know, a 240 hitter had to say about this game. And uh, I really, it was fun. We'd watch the game, and he and he would look. You know, we talked back and forth. It was really fun. Um, so I was thinking, and a lot of times we were thinking the same thing, or I'd say something to him, and he'd really perk up. You know, like that's a good point. You know, um, and back and forth we'd go back and forth on it, and that was kind of fun to have something to talk about with our viewpoints on the same from the same um system so to speak that being the ted williams theory and you know it's not only ted williams but it's his chosen successor bouncing back his opinion on what he's looking at and that was really fun for him you know remind me to tell you the the championship trophy story you know the batting title story well we got to do that some night anyway um, but I'm thinking of watching one of the games and talking, this is what I see, you know, and I've done some radio shows in the past. I did a WEEI had me on years ago and I hated it because it was like in the, the announcer was fantastic. Uh, I, I can't remember his name right now. I want to say his name was Myers. He was, uh, excellent, but he wasn't looking at the game the same way I was. And it was very difficult to talk about hitting in that in his format he didn't see it the same way I did he was seeing it like you know standard you know just the way everybody else sees it and I'm like well uh, I'm seeing about 12 other colors than you and so I'll have to do I think I can do a better job of that on my own watching the game and maybe do it live where, well, maybe not live, but the game's playing and I'm talking about it per bat and per pitch. It might be one long podcast, but who cares? <laughs> so that's that's kind of exciting for the future. So anyway, um, uh, the other thing that happened this week, which is really exciting, is we booted an online store on our website. And I'm going to give you the, uh, there's several ways of getting there. Uh, we own a bunch of domains because it just made sense to do it 20 years ago. TedWilliamsLeague.com, TedWilliamsBaseballLeague.com, TedWilliamsCamp.com, and then uh, TedWilliamsSteveFarolliBaseballCamp.com. Uh, all those will get you there. And there's an online store, and there's six products as of now. I don't know what's our date today. It's probably like the 15th of October, somewhere in there. And there's six products. All that money goes to the Ted Williams League. So, you know, if we want to buy, I don't know, put a new roof on a dugout or we want to, um, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever we need, that's where it comes from. And, we, you know, we've done a terrible job of, you know, getting that out there. You know, like I said in the other podcast, there's only so much time in a day. And, um, you you know, you got to prioritize. And we finally got to it, and I'm really excited about that. So 
if you're hearing this and you you know you got Christmas coming, there's some music CDs. I had mentioned that in the last podcast. You know, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I love music, and I've been writing songs all my life, and some of them are really interesting. We have two music CDs on there. We have uh, Ted Williams League Pennant, which is very popular. There's some like um, youth hoodies, but we also will post adult hoodies as well, kind of like a black, you know, like pullover type of hoodie, which are really popular and comfortable and relatively inexpensive. Uh, we have a Ted Williams League number nine t-shirt that we put on there, and I'm trying to think of what else. There's something else I'm forgetting. Oh, a Ted Williams professional, you know, flex fit black cap as well, which is, we use them in our, uh, the upper, upper divisions of the league anyway. So those are there, and these are all things that you could buy for, you know, Christmas or right now, and it all goes to the league. You're helping us out. So I wanted to make you aware of that. Okay, hey, let's get into Saving Youth Baseball. We'll be right back. Saving Youth Baseball, clip number 11. Hi, I'm Steve Faroli, and I hope you are enjoying my presentation of Saving Youth Baseball. I'd like to remind you to like our Facebook page, Ted Williams Baseball League, and also would like to remind you that all the Saving Youth Baseball clips will be presented in chronological order at the website address below. In one of the early clips, I talked about the saying, one thing leads to another, either in a positive or a negative way. And in youth baseball, it is a perfect example of how one thing leads to another in a negative way. Let's take a look at this. As previously discussed, if we look at the man-sized plate as a clear miscalculation at this point, um, we can see how one thing led to another. The pitcher starts to overthrow the ball. Uh, the hitter backs off the plate and uh, starts to create a defensive mentality. And then the umpire opens the zone to basically try to put a band-aid on it all. One thing leading to another in a negative way. I suppose at this point of this presentation, I am really hoping that you are starting to see the value of format, the importance and value of format. Format being primarily dimensions and equipment. Um, to promote this um, presentation, we have asked several pages and groups uh, to allow us to post the video presentation clips as they're completed. And we couldn't help but noticing all the parents asking for help for their youth players, reaching out asking for help. I mean, on these on these parent pages, you have um, hundreds of videos of children pitching, hitting, and so on, um, with parents asking advice. And then you'll have these commenting sections of people trying to help all in good intention. And then on the coaching pages, you have discussions about various parts of the game. And all these people are trying to help kids in baseball. My frustration is knowing that all these efforts 
are restrained by an out-of-scale format. Every question, every answer, every discussion. What I see are thousands of good people trying to help their children in a very difficult game that an out-of-scale format is making even more difficult or next to impossible. Another way to say this or to look at it would be if all the participants in your baseball program, the players, the coaches, the umpires, if all those roles received a letter grade as a whole, in my opinion, they would receive at least a higher letter grade in the Ted Williams League format. And I hope that that statement is both motivational and um, encouraging to you. Unfortunately, there is another miscalculation that causes a similar string of negative reactions, and that is the baseball itself. When Carl Stotts took the field back in the late 40s to scale down baseball, all his calculations were based on a boy throwing a man-sized ball, and this really does not make sense. Unfortunately, a boy cannot throw a man's baseball as well or as accurate as he needs to in the youth game. In our next clip, I'm going to show you how the wrong ball has created an enormous miscalculation that has led to flaws in the youth baseball format. I hope you have enjoyed this portion of Saving Youth Baseball. I'd like to remind you again to like our Facebook page, Ted Williams Baseball League, and also remind you that all Saving Youth Baseball clips will be presented in chronological order at the website below. I'm guessing there'll be 12 to 20 before I'm done. I try to keep them about four minutes long. I'm Steve Faroli. Get a good pitch to hit. Saving Youth Baseball, clip number 12. Before we get started, I know that many of our viewers may consider this a better application of duct tape than what I suggested in clip 10. And I would like to take, uh, again, a moment to remind everybody that it is not my intention to criticize the thousands of volunteers, the thousands of people that put youth baseball on the field each year, but rather to hopefully um, upgrade the format for the participants, for all the participants of youth baseball. When trying to explain the problems that have been caused by the man-sized baseball, it is easiest to go back to that original summer when Carl Stotts took some kids in the late 40s and went out onto the field with all their enthusiasm and started to experiment. You can almost picture it, and it's exciting to picture it. Um, they got a bat and some balls and their gloves, and they went down the field, and they had some newspaper or cardboard for bases, and they laid out a diamond that looked like a good starting point, and they started to run some plays. They started to hit the ball around and make some throws and run some plays. I mean, he has one kid running and another kid playing first and another kid at short a third, and he's hitting grounders and he's watching the play. And he's thinking, 
And then he hits another ball and he watches the play and he's thinking, he's thinking about the relationship between the fielder and the runner. And then he switches up, hey, you go to first, you go field some, you know, you do some running now. And he runs some more plays. And then maybe adjusts the diamond and runs some more plays. And all the while thinking about, does this look like baseball? Does this look like the mother game? After a summer of this, Cal sets in on a diamond size that seems to be a good presentation of the mother game of baseball. The problem with this diamond size is that it is based upon the wrong baseball. All the information and data is based on the wrong ball, the wrong tool, the wrong piece of equipment. Hey, when you scale something down, you scale it down. And um, the fact that the ball or the plate will left at adult size just doesn't make sense. I mean, imagine buying a, a toy airplane or a toy car with a landing gear uh, and steering wheel were not scaled down. Or if the Barbie doll came with an adult nose. I, I mean, um, you wouldn't buy those things. You wouldn't buy them. And if you did, your child would certainly get used to the question, what is that? Because it, it's not in scale. Because a man's baseball, being a little bit too big, a little bit too heavy, um, cannot be thrown by a boy as well as it needs to be, the field dimensions were originally set too small. What Kyle was faced with with boys that couldn't get the ball over there in time or correctly, they couldn't handle the distance, so he shortened the field dimensions to shorten the throw for the sake of the wrong baseball. He shortened the field dimensions to shorten the throw for the sake of the, of the wrong ball. There is a ratio between the runner, the fielder, the baseball, and the distance of the base. And because the baseball was incorrect, the field dimensions ended up being set incorrect as well. One thing leading to another in a negative way. In our next clip, I will show you how these two miscalculations have all but eliminated some of the most common plays in the game and made others next to impossible. Saving Youth Baseball, clip number 13. In my last clip, I stated that in the late 40s that the field was set too small to shorten the throw for boys that could not throw a man-sized ball. What might be better said is that they could not throw a man-sized ball well enough to find, to set the correct field dimensions. So to be clear here, what I'm saying is if Kyle Stotts had a better baseball, more of a youth league baseball, he would have probably come very close to the correct field dimensions. The baseball is the connecting piece of equipment or conduit to solving um, this equation or puzzle. And without the right baseball, the correct field dimensions, in my opinion, were almost impossible to discover.
What is important to remember here is that the field size affects both the distance the runner has to run and the distance of the throw. Without the correct baseball, the field dimensions could not be set properly and still are not set properly today. When you start to look at the youth game um, and you start to question it a little bit, uh, the format flaws and the results become very obvious. For example, all the on-ground double plays, um, ground ball to third, over to second, over to first, ground ball to short, over to second, over to first, ground ball to second, to short, over to first, uh, ground ball to the pitcher, to the shortstop, to first. These plays are next to impossible in the flood format. They are almost completely eliminated from the game because there is no time to execute and the play going to the first baseman's right uh, first baseman to shortstop back to the second baseman covering forget it <laughs> forget it um, why um, wrong field wrong ball format flaw the Ted Williams League uses three different baseballs, the adult ball and then two smaller balls that are both smaller in circumference and lighter in weight. These balls are now used with the appropriate field size and the appropriate player on that field with the smaller, lighter ball. This ball seen here is a little smaller and a little lighter and used between the ages of 9 and 13. In about 30 games last year, I watched average players of, of the age of 11 and 12 years old turn about a dozen on-ground double plays. And they had to have blown, you know, either drop the ball or just missed the second runner by a half a step on another four proper format. Average players, proper format. You ever see an 11 and 12 year old turning on ground double play? I can tell you this, everybody's smiling. Saving Youth Baseball, clip number 14. Another way that the traditional format um, flaws become obvious are in what I call band-aid rules or adjustments. Um, these are rules or adjustments in the game that have been put in place to make the flawed format appear to run smoother or to appear to run without flaw. Uh, a perfect example would be the umpire opening the strike zone as we talked about earlier in this presentation. This is a band-aid put on a flawed system to try to smooth it out. Another example of a band-aid rule or adjustment is often in youth league baseball, the runners cannot lead or leave the base until the catcher gets the ball. This rule occurred or was created because the catcher could not throw 
did not have the time to throw out any runner with a lead with that ball at that short of a distance. With the proper formatting, the proper baseball and distance, this rule was never needed. This band-aid rule was never needed and still is not needed today. In the Ted Williams League with the correct ball and diamond size, uh, the pitcher learns to uh, pitch from the windup and the stretch. The, the runners are live just like on television. Um, the baseman uh, learns to hold the runners, uh, both at first and in the mid-infield. Um, the runner learns to lead uh, and to steal. And the catcher, he truly becomes the catcher. More on him later. Chris Holland of Pembroke, Massachusetts, seen here in his 20s, at the age of 9 or 10 years old, threw out three runners uh, in one game, two at second base and one at third base. Um, as a catcher, with the right baseball in the right field dimensions, this young boy had a fair opportunity at um, succeeding at one of the most exciting plays in baseball. In the traditional format, this play, much like the doubles, double plays, is all but eliminated. If you are playing baseball in the traditional format, you are no more playing baseball than someone would be playing with the toy plane, toy car, or Barbie doll out of scale that I described back in clip number 12. Everything that I have seen in the past 20 years leads me to believe that you are really not playing baseball at all. Saving Youth Baseball, clip number 15. When we talk about the man-sized ball in the youth game, it's important to go back and revisit the medical condition I talked about called Little League Elbow. Now, Little League Elbow is basically a micro-tear of the tendon away from the elbow over a course of time. And while it is most common in young pitchers, it's also important to realize that it affects all players, uh, all positions between the ages of 8 and 14. That is to say that the, the youth player throwing the man-sized ball is doing too much work. Now when I say work, I mean in re relation to the way physics would define work. And while there's more to it, um, than this, and we'll talk about this in a later clip, uh, work for this purpose will be a force applied to an object to move that object. In this case, the object being the man-sized ball uh, requires the young player to just add too much force, to apply too much force, too much, too much oomph, too much push, too much drive, too much gunpowder. Um, more than he should have to in the youth game. And this added amount of force is just too much for a young, undeveloped elbow and shoulder. Now there is another factor here as well. You may remember in an earlier clip where I said the field was shortened to appease or to help the weaker throws of a boy throwing a man-sized ball. Well, when we shorten the field, what we do is we now change the ratio between the fielder and the runner, the offense and the defense. Um, and uh, 
what happens is the runner in general is not running far enough and the fielder now is rushing his play, rushing his throw with a man-sized ball. This fact in turn also removes some common plays from the game. For example, um, a ground ball hit right at the pitcher or the third baseman or the second baseman where he kind of bobbles it a little bit. He really should have time to recover and throw most runners out. Uh, in the traditional format, most times these runners are safe. In an earlier clip, I talked about band-aids which are found in the youth game or put on the youth game, which are rules or adjustments to try to make a flawed system appear to run smoothly or to run unflawed. Um, and what might be better said is that the flawed system tends to breed these band-aids. Um, you know, every action has a reaction. So what is missing from the format tends to breed these band-aid rules or actions or consequences. There is another band-aid that is found because of the man-sized ball on the smaller field. And that is, in the traditional format, all the players tend to play much closer to the batter than what is customary in the mother game. You know, it's almost as if the youth fielder has the horrible choice of do I play back, increase my range so I can get to more plays only to find out I don't have the distance on my throw or the time to throw the runner out? Or should I move in and give up a bunch of range and not get to as many balls, but get some where I can throw the runner up. Uh, he can't win. <laughs> and the reason is, out of scale ball, out of scale field. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast of Ted Williams League Headquarters. Please visit our website, Ted Williams Baseball League, and email us for any comments or questions you'd like to address in this podcast. Hey, I'm Steve Forley from Hanson, Massachusetts. Get a good pitch to hit. I called on you to spark up all my fun. Days at the playground or right out in the street. Baseball.